I'd like to pray, and then we're going to open our Bibles. We're talking about what our church is this month, and uh, and then uh, tonight, today, we're going to talk about one that's kind of fun for me. So uh, it's about how our church doesn't just live for ourselves, but we live for other churches, and we partner with other churches and things like that. So we're going to talk about that and uh, look at what Jesus says about it. So let's pray together. Our God, we are. Um, I know I am and many of us here this morning are just really thankful for our church, thankful for the way um, it gives us an opportunity to minister to others, the way people in our church have ministered to us, and just the, uh, the care and the, the prayer that support that comes through this church, and just the ability to follow you in a really meaningful way, God, with others who are on the same journey as us. Um, we just thank you for providing us with this community. For, I thank you personally, and, and, uh, and I know many of us in this room uh, also do, uh, feel the same way. And so this morning, as we open your Bible, we pray that we'd be able to see really the heart of God for our church and uh, for the church in a universal sense, and just uh, lead us to be able to um, be a faithful um, presence of Jesus uh, in our world and in our, our little place in the world and our little place in history. In your name, amen. So, a uh, little, it's going to be a little bit different today. If you're a, an organized person or you like lists and you take notes, it's, this is going to be good for you today. Uh, we've got lots of lists and sets of three and stuff like that, so it'll be kind of a blessing for you. Um, but uh, we're talking, we're going to talk about way our church doesn't just exist for ourselves. The Grove doesn't exist for the sake of the Grove, but the Grove exists as a movement pointing to something larger and something more important uh, and something uh, more valuable and more impactful than just a, a little church in North Albany that we belong to and we believe in this large movement of the gospel, of the kingdom of God, the church that Jesus established uh, from when he was here on earth, the people of God, uh, the presence of God here on this earth. Uh, there is a, an author, his name is Lyle Schaller. He's very, very old and very bold guy. Uh, if he writes something down, I read it. He's a fantastic guy. Um, he's always challenging. Uh, he's a Christian, like a church author. Uh, author. He writes about churches and stuff like that. And churches will say, we should plant one church. And you say, why didn't you say you should plant three churches? Like, what's wrong with you? Uh, and he's like 80, uh, which is even better. When there's bold people with gray hair, I love it. Uh, young people are always bold, but they're, you know, inexperienced. But old people that are bold, and you know they believe it, and they think it's true, and you can see it in their eyes. This guy's like that. Well, he wrote in like the 70s and 80s about church growth and, and how churches grow. And, and anyone who is also writing books in the 70s or 80s is awesome. So um, he, if, if he says something, it's true. And, and he said in the 70s and 80s that because of the way the culture was, when a church establishes itself, it has to look at the other churches in town and decide... Uh, where we're going to fit as a church and, and really kind of a free market capitalist view of church like we're the church with uh, a rock climbing wall in the lobby or we're the church with a water park out back or we're the church with uh, cool video screens you know and so you, you would almost market your church which you would need to set your church apart from other churches um, and that was maybe true in the 70s or 80s because church was a um, a real part of people's lives and church was something that uh, it was a part of the majority of people's lives. Today, though, when we've moved 30 or 40 years later since he was writing that, he doesn't write the same things. 
And he talks instead, and most authors talk instead, about the church not needing to compete with other churches. Because the church is so remarkable in itself, in our culture. 30 or 40 years ago, if you walked into a fourth grade classroom or a second grade classroom, everybody knew what Christmas was. Everybody knew, and I mean in general sense, uh, m- most people knew that Easter had something to do with a bunny and Jesus, right? Um, and, and we've moved in our culture to a, a, a much more uh, secular viewpoint where we can have people in our culture and you can have friends that honestly don't know that Easter has something to do with Jesus. Who honestly, and this isn't good or bad, this is just real and true. The people who get to the holiday season and don't know uh, the significance of Christmas in a Christocentric way, how that is significant. And so there's uh, this different culture we live in. So as churches, there's no need to compete with other churches because the church as an expression of Jesus is remarkable in our world. So when we plant the grove, we don't say, how can we better be better than the other churches in town? How can we beat them, right? That's, that's a bad thing. I hope you don't think that. <laughs> uh, and I'm a competitive person, and so don't think that this isn't a temptation for me. Uh, I generally think anything I'm involved with is better than the, peop- the things I'm not involved with, right? So my teams are better than your teams and stuff like that. My country... A- anyways. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> just saying uh, so War of 1812 you can google it but um, <laughs> it's taught completely different in my elementary schools than yours but uh, it's interesting uh, anyways uh, so there is you know uh, there is this competitive thing that exists that is a false representation of what the body of Christ really is the Bible talks about the church and I mean church when I'm going to say church today I don't mean the grove I mean the church in a universal sense like the church on earth today and the church throughout history so the church in the past and the church in the future is this universal church and that church is the representation of Christ. The Bible uses the word, it's the body of Christ here on earth. Where Christ is the head and we are the body. So if people want to know what God is like, they can look at the church and see that expression. So they don't need to see Jesus because the body of God, the body of Christ, is expressed on this earth through the church. And it's expressed in a way that we're not competing with other churches Because you can imagine if your body was competing with, like if your left hand was competing with your right foot and saying, I am more important, I need more resources, or every, all of the muscle should come here, or all of the nutrients should come here. It, it would just mess your body up. It's a bad expression of the human body, right? And, and so with the body of Christ, it's the same thing. If we said, you know, this is the more important church in town. God should be working in this church and not over in that church. Or... This is a more important town or a more important region for God to be working. If we look at the body of Christ in a universal and a historical sense, we should feel a lot more humility and a lot more cooperation towards uh, the outer church or the church outside of ourselves. So, for that reason, the grove must exist for more than just itself. The grove must exist uh, for the larger church, for the church uh, in the world, and for the church historically, uh, both in the past and in the future. So we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for more than ourselves. We exist for the whole body of Christ. 
I'm going to read this uh, passage, John 17. Uh, John 17 is Jesus' prayer the night that he was betrayed. He prays and then he's actually arrested and, uh, and as the sun comes up the next day he's into his uh, crucifixion and, and he dies. And so this is, in a very real way, he's looking and he knows the cross is coming. He knows what's about to happen. And so his prayer is really significant. Because if... if you knew that life was over and this was your, your prayer the night before, you aren't going to pray, you know, thank you for this food. You're going to pray uh, things of significance. And Jesus prays a few things and now towards the end, he actually prays for us. He prays for the people who will hear the message of his apostles, the direct disciples, and will learn the ways of Jesus and follow him. So Jesus actually prays for you and I, uh, for all the Christians throughout time and throughout the world uh, at the night before he goes to the cross. And, and so I want to read a few verses of John 17, uh, 20. It'll be on the screen. We're going to read 20 to 23. Um, just as Jesus praying and, and when he talks, he begins with, I do not ask for these only. That's for the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So that's those who have come to faith in Jesus through hearing the words uh, of the, those who have gone before us. So Jesus says in his prayer in John 17, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So Jesus' prayer, in a word, for the people who will call themselves the church, is that they would be one, that they would be unified, that the mark of the church throughout history and throughout the earth would be unity. The mark of the local expression of the church would be unity. And the mark of the church in the global sense would be unity. Now, what's the biggest screw-up the church has done? Not being unified. <laughs> this is why the cartoon today makes fun of denominations. We have a lot of denominations. <laughs> a lot. Uh, our denomination is called the Evangelical Church of North America, even though it's only in the United States. Um, and, and it's apparently all the shorter names were taken. And that's how many denominations there are. Uh, there, it is just amazing how good we as Christians are at splitting and splitting off. And if you talk to someone who's been in church long enough, they've been through something called a church split. Uh, it is maybe one of the most tragic things and the most embarrassing things. And if you ever see it happen, the funniest things. Because uh, people embarrass themselves in church splits. Uh, I've seen people stand up. Uh, I was in one. I watched my church split when I was in the first or uh, second year of college. And uh, a man stood up and said, when this happened, the pastors had no reins, right? But I was in the back, and I thought he said the pastors had no brains. And it was, <laughs> it was awesome, right? I'm in the back like, boom, now we're talking, right? And, and uh, it was, it was, I, the pastor was a mentor of mine and a friend. He was in my wedding party when he got married and he just like you know and I was like he surely said that he has no brains like now we're talking let's fight right and uh, that isn't what happened unfortunately so they, they said excuse me and he corrected himself so um, but if you've ever been in those uh, meetings that's why we don't uh, hold a lot of business meetings
meetings because usually people embarrass themselves in those business meetings. Maybe we should hold more um, but, uh, because of the funny things that happen. But uh, as, as a church, and not just here at the Grove, but in a universal sense, fighting for the unity of the church is wildly important and neglected because of pride, because of the desire to get what we want, the desire to be right, instead of the desire to be humble and desire to be unified. The example that Jesus gives when he says, I pray that they may be one as you and I, Father, are one. Jesus references the Trinity. See, we believe that God is God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Spirit, what we call the Holy Spirit. Each of those individually are the full expression of God. Together, they are the Trinity, which is the full expression of God. Which leads us to understand that if we are unified, in the same way that the Trinity is unified, then we understand that each individual church is a full expression of the body of Christ. And in addition to that, the presence of the church historically and universally is a full expression of the body of Christ. This means that we have everything in the grove that God wants to give us so that we can achieve what God wants us to achieve. It also, we're not waiting for someone to come and we're not waiting for someone bigger or someone better. We believe that God has brought us together in order and, and with everything, all the resources we need to accomplish everything that God wants us to accomplish. We feel the same way about the church in a regional sense, the same way about the church in a global sense. The church has everything it needs in order to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish or to be what God wants it to be. In the Trinity, there's no competition. Never has Jesus said, I think I would do a better, good, better job being the Holy Spirit than the Holy Spirit is. Or God the Father kind of domineering sometimes and, and I'm a little more caring you know I'm Jesus after all uh, you know like never that conversation doesn't happen they have individual roles the spirit is talked of as a comforter Jesus is talked of as the author and perfecter of our faith and God the father is talked of as the creator right the establisher of the covenant and so they have different roles and they do different things Yet they are united. Just like local churches are different. Or regional churches. Like the church in the Western world is radically different than the church in the Latin American world. Or in Africa. Or in Asia. That doesn't make one better or worse. Or it doesn't mean that we should be more like them or they should be more like us. The church today is radically different than the church was a thousand years ago. Or a thousand years before that. That doesn't mean one's better or one's worse. It doesn't mean that we should try to be more like them or they should try to be more like us. It is an expression of the diversity that is found in the Trinity when the church acts in a unified way or in a unifying way, when we move towards unity. So we have this different roles. We have equal value. And this, um, this sometimes is a hard one to believe. Equal value. Because we think... 
this church is important or more important than that church. When you think about like uh, Saddleback Church in California, um, which is 20-some thousand people, um, um, Lakewood Church in Houston, which is 20-some thousand people, Life Church, which is in about five states down around Oklahoma. They do it different down there apparently, uh, with 20-some thousand. Aren't those the important churches compared to uh, a church in Maupin? There's a church in our denomination in Mop, and they have a fantastic pastor named Tim. Uh, he's a, Tim Morelli. Fantastic. But according to Jesus, the church that has 20,000 has everything they need to achieve what they need to achieve. And the church that has 30 in Maupin has everything they need in order to achieve or be what God wants them to be. And they are equal in value to the body of Christ. You can see this if you uh, look at someone who uh, suffers like an inner ear injury. If you're a hockey fan, you had a good week because hockey's back. But uh, in the 90s, 80s, Wayne Gretzky, who is the greatest athlete in history, um, he, not a joke, uh, he actually uh, suffered an inner ear uh, problem. Inner ear. He, he was the greatest, not just like greatest hockey player, greatest athlete in any sport ever. And... Uh, and I know you think your football players are good. Put skates on. Yeah. All right. You're awesome. So, uh, so when, uh, when he suffers this inner ear problem, there's a problem with a piece of his body that's like tiny. And yet his whole ability to play hockey falls apart. If you look at someone who sprains their finger and they're trying to achieve something or someone who gets hurt and you get like one little ligament hurt and all of a sudden you can't do your job. If the body of Christ is really a body, then these little parts are of equal value to the large parts. Or the insignificant seeming parts have just as much honor as the parts that are obvious and on television. This is how, the, how God expresses himself. And this is how God expresses the body of Christ. So if God thinks that all churches have roles, have value, and there ought to be a sacred relationship between them, then the grove thinks the same. Whether we want to think that or not, whether on our best days we think that or we don't think that. Right from the very start, you can read like in uh, Second Corinthians, right from the very start, the church saw itself not as individual churches, but as a church. And, and the church in, in some areas was suffering, like the local economy was falling apart and they were experiencing almost like a famine. They didn't have enough to feed themselves. And the church in other areas saw that not as validation that they're good and they're bad because we live in a place with a strong economy and they live in a place with a bad economy. Therefore, God's blessing us. No, they saw it as opportunity to demonstrate the unity of the church. And you see in the scripture, the church is collecting offerings in order to send to the people they don't even know non-Jewish Christians were collecting offerings and sending them to Jewish Christians. And under the legalistic expression of the Jewish law, you didn't need help from unclean Gentiles. But what the church did was unify across borders that were not possible to, in their culture to be united in. This is this is I'm really passionate about this. This is why we don't take political stances at the Grove or take stances on issues because we have people here who believe both sides of things 
that you say silly things on Facebook about. All right? <laughs> when we, in the church, value things, I say silly things too, but I'm being silly on purpose. You think it makes a difference. Um, all right. When we value things more than the unity of the church, we don't just hurt the church, we hurt the body and the expression of God on earth. Where we show unity is when we hold passionate views about secondary issues, non-gospel issues, yet we are more passionate about our unity. The beauty of the church is in when somebody's crazy about this side of the issue and somebody else is crazy about this side of the issue and one of them has a crisis in their life and they serve the other person. Here at the Grove we have like um, we have uh, men who go on fishing trips and kill animals to eat them and then we have other men who serve in uh, like uh, in ways that save animals and give them better lives. Right? when something happens in their lives, those men are united because our views on how we manage our resources or our wildlife resources, or if we even call them wildlife resources, those are secondary issues to the unity of the church. This is why it's important that we have people who don't believe what you believe at our church as far as your secondary issues goes. We have some things that we agree on deity of Christ, virgin birth, the Trinity, the importance of the Word of God. We don't really disagree on that. But we disagree on a lot of stuff, and that's actually fantastic. It, it really, it actually reminds us that there's someone else who's God. It's kind of a, this is a, it's a I'm preaching to myself here, but it reminds us that we might not be perfect. <laughs> we might not be right all the time. I figure I'm right. If I wasn't, I would change my mind. Right? Doesn't that make sense? <laughs> it makes sense in my mind. But apparently that's not true. <laughs> you find that out when you get married. <laughs> but uh, if By having close relationships, it allows us to see people we love and respect think things differently than us. This is why as a church it's important for us to have close relationships with other churches. Because it reveals to us the things that we thought was important and maybe we're not right about those things. Or maybe we can be right about them and somebody else who disagrees with us can be right as well. And I mean silly things like style of, of worship. This is a fun thing for churches to fight about. Like the kind of music that is played when we get together as a group. Right? We apparently believe in amplification. Uh, other churches believe in slowing it down. Right? For health reasons. Uh, but but there, that doesn't make us right and it doesn't make us wrong it makes those things expressions and what's more important is that we're connected together and unified so we believe in churches not just the grove we believe in the church in a local sense and we practice this we really honestly practice this we don't think it's important for you to go to the grove if the grove doesn't make any sense to you. We think there's a lot of people who are finding meaning in the way that the grove follows Jesus, but there's a lot of people that won't. And, and that's not a good thing or a bad thing. That's why there's 40-some churches in town. Because people are different, and people are at different places and different expressions of their journey in following Jesus. 
So we have partnerships locally. We have partnerships in our denomination. Uh, we're in a denomination. <laughs> that may be a surprise to some of you. But our den- through our denomination, we've been able to work with a lot of uh, churches that are planting and be able to share our experience. We believe that. We've shared with a lot of churches. People will visit our church because they know we're a, a, a recent plant or they see that we're in rental space. When we find out about that, we're like, okay, you're like VIPs today. We want to show you everything. We want to share with you how we do this, how we do that. Because churches did that for us as well. When we would go and say, hey, we don't know what we're doing. Can you show us? It's actually exciting. And they might be planting in Albany. That's exciting. When we met with the church across the street, uh, North Albany Church, with uh, Pastor Rob now, uh, and Pastor Denny was the pastor then. uh, But we met, and we were actually looking at renting this space, and we're like, we'd kind of like like to meet right across the street from you but we don't want to seem like we're competing and it's been so they actually had us come over and they prayed for us in their service that's they're unified right it's not they didn't feel competition at all they thought this is fantastic we were able to talk about what do you do well the best youth pastor in town I love our youth leaders but I've told them this to the face best paid youth pastor in town works across the street best youth pastor in town by far all right I don't know all of them but he's good (laughs) and I see him praying a lot and so that's pretty much how I evaluate Uh, I don't know if he's the coolest or whatever but I really don't care I see him praying a lot and and so we and we believe in that and 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 we believe and so we don't compete with different things we talk to them about what are the ministries you guys do really well because why would we do that they have some addiction recovery ministries over there that are fantastic And so if we have people that are in an addiction recovery and need that kind of need, we know of a church that will do that amazingly. It's right across the street. Because it's not about getting more people in the cafeteria. It's about helping people follow Jesus. All right? Um, We believe internationally. Uh, We believe in the church in an international sense. We think the church in in Asia or in Africa, the church in Muslim-dominated countries, is just as important as the church here in North Albany. And we express that. We support missionaries in Bolivia uh, where the church isn't outrightly persecuted, it's kind of underhandedly persecuted. Uh, you're not allowed to meet in a gathering on, on election days and so they hold elections on Easter so the churches can't meet on Easter. Uh, that's, so it's not illegal to meet, just can't meet on election day. And it just happens to be on that Sunday. Coincidence. <laughs> So there's, we believe that there are people who need to be in churches in those places. We don't believe that this unity means uniformity. This is the expression that Jesus gives in his prayer. May they be one just as you and I are one. But Jesus is not the same as God the Father, is not the same as the Holy Spirit. So we believe in unity, but we don't believe in uniformity. We believe that in our own church. If you look around and everyone looks like you, that's like a red flag for a church. That's not a good thing for a church. We need people uh, who are younger than you, and we need people who are older than you. Unless you're the youngest person here, or the, like if you were just born, or if you're the oldest person here, then we don't need people older than you because you get a prize. But, uh, <laughs> but we, actually, we actually need people of different generations. We need people with, with different upbringings. We need people with different political views. 
We need people with different skin colors. We need people with different cultural experiences. Different viewpoints on things that you find important. We need people who have been Christians their whole lives. And we need people who got saved last week. Because it's not about all being the same. It's about all being unified. When everyone looks the same, when there's uniformity, and, and then you pretend that's unity, uh, it's usually, it's either a, a, a bad expression of a church, or it's a really strong cult. If you walk into the room and everyone is exactly the same, uh, that's, those are danger signs. Like, if, um, you should think that. That's a little, if you ever move and you're trying to find a church. So we don't expect to have unity in our culture. There are other churches like our culture of, of church and the way we express it, um, there are other churches that are more casual than our church. There are other churches that are more reverent than our church. There are other churches that do uh, more of a liturgy or more of a you know, sit, stand, kneel, say this, do these three things. It doesn't make them one better or one worse. People connect to different ones, maybe at different times in their life. But we believe in unity, not uniformity. Uh, we believe that in our style, in the way that we do preaching. In the, there are some churches that the preacher stands up higher, or the Word of God is up higher because of a, it's a demonstration of the importance of the Word of God. Or the way that we worship, or the style that we do. There are churches that are more flamboyant than us, and there are churches that are more reserved than us. We're unified with them. We don't think they should be like us, and we don't think we should be like them. <laughs> but, but we're unified even though we hold these other things to actually be really important the way we do baptism, the way we do communion what we think sacraments are and what sacraments aren't we're unified, not in unity uh, in our methods in the way that we do ministry we had a parents meeting for our youth ministry last week and one of the things we talked about was our opportunity to do youth ministry in new ways as a church plant, we can look at the history of youth ministry and then say, so where are teenagers today? And if I was starting from nowhere, what would we do as far as helping teenagers follow Jesus? Because the things that you and I dealt with in college, our middle schoolers are dealing with the same things. Uh, the same culture is available to them on their telephone. <laughs> they don't use the word telephone, right? <laughs> there is, they don't use it to talk to people at least. Uh, there is this it's the world has changed and so how do our methods change in order to tell the world the great message of Jesus now here's a this is a fun example and this will get me riled up um, but some of you have been ripped on by other people who go to different churches uh, and, and you've had to defend decisions that our leadership has made and you don't know why our leadership made those decisions. So I want to talk about that. A few years ago, our church or our city did a thing uh, that used to be called a crusade, but then we learned that that was when we went and killed Muslims, so maybe we shouldn't call it that. Uh, so now they call them festivals, right? Um, and, uh, well, we finally decided the crusades were, might have been bad. Um, <laughs> took us a couple hundred years. Yeah, good job, church. Um, so <laughs> we had this festival thing. And what a festival is, if you're new to Christianity, we do these things where we set up a tent or a stage, and uh, it's just like Lollapalooza or something like that, like a, uh, like a warp tour, same kind of thing, except the bands are all Christian bands, all right, and the speakers are all Christian speakers, or if you can swing it, a celebrity who's become a Christian and is now like kind of fundamentalist and says things um, and hopefully hasn't messed up yet uh, because we don't like to forgive people. 
Um, but uh, so we throw this festival thing, and the pastors all get together, and it's great. A lot of people become Christians at these things. They really do. It's fan- it is a fantastic ministry. All right, uh, there I can point to like Billy Graham crusades because in those days they were called crusades that I went to that were significant steps in my life in following Jesus. All right, so I'm not against these things, but. The church leadership got together and we talked about this. And this was when we first started. So the church leadership was, you know, three of us. And, uh, and we said, we don't feel like God's leading us to participate. Now, when it all comes down, the non-participators were us and the Mormons. All right? And they had a different reason for not participating than us. And there were people who ripped on us. And we had individuals who participated. We have one of the most highly trained security teams in the world and uh, at our church. And so they participated in security. There were other people who participated as like altar call counselors and help people become Christians. Uh, it's great. But we looked at it and we said, we don't feel like this is the way that God's leading us to reach people. And so we didn't sign on some line or what, I don't know if you had to, I don't know how it worked. It cost a lot of money, so they probably wanted some of that. Um, but there is, we didn't participate. And then other people would rip on you. They don't come and talk to me because I would actually have an intelligent conversation with them. And when we rip on other churches, we want to do it in a way that they don't respond because we want to be self-righteous, right? Uh, and so, this is me getting cranked. But, um, so you've had to defend things and say, well, we didn't do that. Why not? I don't, I don't know. Well, you're terrible. Okay. <laughs> you know? Uh, but... But when we looked at it, we don't believe that uniformity is a requirement of unity. So if every church in town, if every church in our state said, this is what we're doing, we don't feel that then we should just sign on the dotted line. We feel like, well, we should pray about it. We should see how God has gifted us. Here's some influencing factors. And and let's, it's not, it doesn't mean we're against it. It's fantastic. Uh, they had the Newsboys come, which is a Christian band, if you're not into Christian bands. Um, I used to listen to them when I was in eighth grade, which makes them relevant to teenagers. Um, but that was an underhanded, sarcastic cut. Um, but they also had Skillet come, I think, didn't they? Did anybody go to this thing? Yeah, and Skillet plays on like a Fuse that doesn't play on MTV because they don't play music anymore. Uh, so I actually thought that was a fantastic idea. I thought that was awesome. I thought they did the right thing in bringing in Bands that had exposure to secular people so that secular people would feel attracted to this little festival. I think they did a good job, right? That didn't mean that we automatically should participate. Then we were able to have conversations with people where they said, yeah, there was this thing, we were at the park and they were like yelling a lot. What was that about? Is that what Christianity is? Uh, They had, I guess they had a skate park and while you were skateboarding they yelled at you about Jesus which is how I want to follow Jesus. Um, Maybe that works for people, but there's some people that won't work for, right? And so we're going to reach this small minority of people who are generally looking to follow Jesus the way we're looking to follow Jesus. We're not going to reach everyone. So when we say, hey, everyone's doing this, it doesn't mean, hey, we're going to do that because we want to be uniform and do what everyone's doing. We look at it and say, this festival thing is just an easy example. And it's three years ago, so nobody cares anymore. Uh, But we look at it and we say, what is God leading us to do? And there have been times when we do sign on the dotted line. Yeah, we're down with that. We don't really agree with it, but we're down with it. 
right? Like we don't see the point, but we're there. And we're there for those things. But then there's other times that God leads us to do other things. And there might be churches in our town that don't want to do the things we're doing. And that's totally cool. There might be churches that actually think we're wrong about stuff. That's actually good. As long as they're not those core issues like, like we talked about. God's divinity. His eternal nature. His power. Right? But if we're talking about, you know, this week... Everybody needs to celebrate the sanctity of life. Uh, I think today might be Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, But we don't have inserts in our bulletin. Some churches do. Some churches don't. But we're united. And it doesn't mean we disagree. We probably hold the exact same stance on things like abortion and the sanctity of life as the churches that do put an insert in the bulletin. It doesn't mean that one's better or one's worse. It means we're all following God. We're passionate in our calling. But we're humble in our convictions and in our theology. So we believe this a lot. But we don't necessarily believe that we're God's gift to the universe. I know we'll say that. But we really want to work hard to actually live that. And it's just like in any relationship you have, if you think you're God's gift to the other person, your relationship's going to have some problems. (laughs) And probably one of the people in the relationship already has some problems. But since you're God's gift, you're having a hard time listening. (laughs) But we'll cover that in the marriage series next month. (laughs) But there is... We are really, really passionate but we're really humbled. And so we're really focused in our prayers and really focused in our, in our resources, really focused in our time. I want to get back to the scripture because this is actually important. I don't want to just rant. This is verse 21. I want you to hear this. The, the reason. Can we flip back to that? Because that, this is important. Here's the reason why this is all important. Jesus says, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that, and here's the reasoning, the world may believe that you have sent me. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. If we want to communicate that Jesus was sent by God to die on the cross for your sins and my sins, for the sins of the world, and that he offers life, real, true, the fullest expression of life, Life with God. If we want people to believe that, Jesus says they will believe it according to our unity. The unity of the church and the unity that you express in church isn't for you. It may not even be so that the grove looks cool. The unity is so that the people who don't know God or believe in God can see God living. There's a lot of people who are broadcasting a lot of messages in our culture. And the church has this quiet message over in the corner where we care about each other. People were different then. People we disagree with. People we think are playing wrong. People we think are too exciting or too boring. We love them and are unified with them. And you can say we're wrong. You can say we're nutty in our theology or you can say we can't prove our faith. But you can't say that we don't love each other. 
Now, this isn't always true. There are times, like we talked about, where churches split or churches do crazy things or we have good church fights where old people say the pastors don't have brains. <laughs> but in those times, it's not a problem because we're disagreeing. It's a problem because we're hurting the opportunity of people to believe in Jesus. Probably, if we took a quick survey, some of you spent time away from the church or away from God, not because of who God is, but because of what the church was. Or you carry real pain and real scars in your life, not because of something God did to you, but because of what you saw in churches. The unity of the church is so radically important, not just our local church, but the unity of the church on earth and the unity of the church in history is so important because the eternal destiny of people who don't know Jesus is dependent on it. So when we fight for our way, we might get our way, but the people who will pay the price for our way will pay it by spending eternity away from God because they saw a church that fought for itself instead of fighting for the body. When we act in disunity as a body and when we act in disunity as individuals, we might get what we want. We might become more comfortable. We might feel more self-righteous or more self-fulfilled. We will still go to heaven. We will still have a relationship with God. But there will be people who won't because we neglected our own unity as a grove, as a local expression of the church, and as a universal expression of the church. And the night Jesus was betrayed, he said one last prayer, and he prayed for you, and he prayed for me, and he prayed for unity. The next time you act in unity... The next time you serve someone in our church or serve someone in another church, the next time you pray for another church in town, that they would grow, that their pastor would be awesome, that their band would kill it on Sunday, or their organist would kill it on Sunday. <laughs> right? That's an act of unity, and that's a prayer that's an answer to a prayer that God prayed himself. Jesus' prayers can be answered by you and I when we act in unity towards each other and towards the church in a universal sense. Talk about a great privilege. In the very early church, when they took that offering for the other churches, in Corinthians, the church that Paul commends, and he says, you want to see a great church? It's the church in Macedonia. They're broke. Broke. And yet, they are putting money aside because they want the privilege of being able to participate in what the churches are doing. The church in Macedonia didn't have enough money to relieve the, the problems that were happening to the church in Jerusalem. And yet they were like, well, there's no dang way we're missing out on this. We might not have much, but we're sending some of it. And you might be able to carry it in one pocket, <laughs> but we're sending it. Because you're not going to be able to say, that this church, this great thing, God was doing this great thing, and yet we missed it. That's the exact attitude that we're praying for here. That we see that God is doing something, and there's no dang way that we're going to miss it. 
And we might not have all the resources in the world. We might not be able to control the heat on a Sunday morning. (laughs) But there's no way that we're missing what God is doing on this earth right now. There's no way we're missing what God is doing in our town. There's no way we're missing as individuals what God's doing in our church. There's no way I'm going to sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. And go, yeah, I go to this great church. All these people do great things. They're really unified. And to sit there on the outside of that. Don't miss it. As an individual, and then as a church, may we not miss it. Let's stand. We'll pray. The band can come up. And let's worship. Our God, we ask for forgiveness. Me personally as an individual and us as individuals, but us as a corporate church, we ask for the forgiveness in a corporate sense for the times when we've acted in disunity, for the times we've acted competitively towards other churches. How stupid of us. And we just apologize for that and have real repentance in our hearts for that, God. For the times when we've acted arrogant, for the times when we've thought not just that we're passionate about our convictions and our calling, but we're passionate about our theology and not in a humble way. We pray your forgiveness for that. For our sin. God, we ask that you would lead us forward in unity. Give us opportunity to be unified together as a body here at the Grove. May we not see crisis as things that would divide, but as opportunities. May we not see passionate opinions that we hold over things as opportunities to divide but as opportunities to demonstrate unity to the unbelieving world. God, continue to give us people on both sides of whatever issues are in our culture. People who live differently, who look different, who value different things culturally. And continue to give us the opportunity to love each other, to care for each other, and to act in unity as witness to the unbelieving world. May our town come to know and not be able to deny that the church cares and the church loves and the church is unified. Have mercy on us by your grace. Amen.